Welcome to Set for Life with Pastor Ray Jensen. You can find us at setforliferadio.com. Romans 10.9 says that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead, you will be saved. So let's listen from God's Word, verse by verse, on how we can prepare for the coming of the Lord and Messiah Jesus, who died on the cross, so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life if you give your heart and believe what He's done for you. You'll be set for life with the treasure stored up in heaven when you're through. You'll be set for life. Be Today's message is called Hanukkah. A time of dedication. Let me give you some background about Hanukkah, because I know what you're thinking. But, Ray, I'm not Jewish. And when you bring up Hanukkah, it tends to make the Gentiles think of Jewishness and Jewish things to where the Gentiles go, oh, well, I'm not a Jew, so I don't need to think about that. And then we immediately disregard it because that's the Jew stuff. I'm not a Jew. I'm a Gentile, so I don't need to know anything about it. Uh, I'm, I'm speaking to my Gentile friends. We're missing the boat. You're, you're missing something here that God has for us in his word, and I want to talk about that today. And so that's why I'm asking you to bear with me so that you can understand what we are missing out. I've kind of de- tailored this message more to my Gentile friends who look at Hanukkah and say, well, I don't need it. That's not mine. It is yours. It can be yours. We're grafted in to the Jewish people through our Jewish Messiah. And my first point on why you should care about Hanukkah is because Jesus cared about Hanukkah. Well, how so? Well, let's get into it. I want to get show you the biblical, uh, I mean, the historical background before we go biblical, okay? I want, I want you to know some things that happened. First of all, back in 200 BC, you know about Alexander the Great. He was the guy, he went around conquering the world, and or, try, or trying to anyway, and he was pushing what's called Hellenism. You need to worship my Greek gods. Alexander was pushing Hellenism, worship my Greek gods. And it was very fascinating to the people because it was these super beings. And they're like, wow, what's this? This is really cool. It was like their their version of the Avengers, their version of the X-Men. And they really gravitated towards this. But they took it to a very deep level. Not that Americans are not doing that today themselves, but they really adopted a lot of this. And so even after Alexander died, this man named Antiochus Epiphanes, he pushed Hellenism on the Jews. And after Alexander the Great died, Antiochus was the guy that was over Jerusalem. As a matter of fact, he attacked Jerusalem, and he banned Jewish practices uh, such as Sabbaths and feasts. He said, you can't do that no more. And he installed a Hellenized Jew, a Jew who would say, yes, I agree to these Greek God things. He installed a Hellenized Jew into the temple with the worship of Zeus. And so he went in there and they worshiped Zeus in the temple of God. But there were some Jews that said, we're not having him. They refused to tolerate this. There's some Jews led by a man named Judas Maccabeus. I hope I'm saying that right. He rose up to take God's temple back. And Maccabeus means hammer. Mm, Put the hammer down. means to get rough and firm if necessary. Be strong. And so they came 
uh, and put the hammer down. And Antiochus got attacked by the Maccabees to run them out of the temple and get them out of Jerusalem because they came to take God's temple back. And so you can read all about this. When they attacked and reclaimed the temple for the Lord, you can read all about it in the book of the Maccabees, the book of the Maccabees. Now I know what you're thinking, Ray. The book of the Maccabees is not in the Bible. I thought we did everything biblical around here. Well, we do. I want to show you that this event, the taking back of the temple, was predicted to happen in the book of Daniel. In Daniel 8, it was foretold to Daniel in a vision. So now I'm going to take the historical that I already gave you, and I'm going to link it to the Bible in Daniel 8 and 13. It says, Then I heard a holy one speaking, and another holy one said to that certain one who was speaking, How long will the vision be concerning the daily sacrifices and the transgression of desolation, the giving of both the sanctuary and the host to be trampled underfoot? And he said to me, For two thousand three hundred days, then the sanctuary shall be cleansed. This is how long the desecration of the temple of the temple lasted under Antiochus Epiphanes. You can cross-reference this verse that we just read here in Daniel over to the time of the Maccabees, who came and rededicated the temple from the defilement of 2,300 days. It was foretold. So now we are now biblical. When the Maccabees showed up, they removed the false idols that were in the temple. Anything of Zeus, anything of whoever, uh, they took it out. They got that Hellenized priest, get out of here. You're not the priest here in the temple of the Lord. You must leave. They took them all out of there. And then it was time to relight the golden lampstand that was in the temple. That's had to be done first. Get the false gods out, relight the lampstand, that menorah that was in the temple of God. Now, God had commanded that lampstand to burn continually, as we see in Leviticus 24, verse 2. It says, Command the children of Israel that they bring to you pure oil of pressed olives for the light to make the lamps burn continually. Okay, so they came to relight the lampstand because they wanted to get the temple back in proper order again. Now, that was a menorah that's being talked about. You heard of it uh, called a lampstand. is also known as a menorah. In fact, in Revelation 1 and 20, Jesus says the menorah represents the church. Revelation 1 20, the mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand and the seven golden lampstands. The seven stars are the angels of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. And so the menorah that stood in the temple, it was made of gold. To think that something that is made of gold represents you. You know, I'm always saying all the time that you are not worthless, you are priceless. Okay, that menorah being made of gold, it represents the body of believers. That shows how valuable you are to God. You're, you're worth so much. I know there's a lot of people, they think their life is meaningless. It's not. Not to God. You're worth so much. The menorah represents the believers of Messiah Jesus. It's made of gold. Very, very valuable. You have much worth. The lampstand also has a picture of Jesus Christ in it. The lampstand had six branches to represent man. Why six? Why does six, the number six, why does that represent man? Well, first of all, man was 
created on the sixth day. Men are also to work six days and then rest on the seventh, because that's when God rested from create, uh, making all of creation. He rested on the seventh day. Another thing, how many of you know what the number seven means in the Bible? Seven means completeness, because on the seventh day, the Lord was complete with his work. The number seven comes up many, many times in the Bible for completeness. Uh, you may remember Peter one time, he asked Jesus, uh, hey, how many times should I forgive my brother when he wrongs me? Up to seven times? He, Peter was asking completely? Do I forgive him seven times? And Jesus took it even further than that. And he says, I tell you, 70 times seven, <laughs> way above, well beyond completely forgiving. So the number seven indicates completeness. It means perfection. Complete perfection is the number seven, total fulfillment. And so for man's number to be a six, it's not a seven, it's a six. That means to indicate that man falls short of completion, of perfection. We have all sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. If man's number six, that means we are not complete. We do not fulfill. We are not satisfactory. Our conduct, our lives, because of sin, we are not satisfactory to God's law. That's why we needed a Savior to come and save us completely through Jesus Christ. And so that's why the menorah has a seventh branch. The six branches of six indicates man, but the seventh branch represents Jesus Christ because we are made complete, seven, we are made complete through the Lord Jesus Christ. But the entire lampstand was made of one piece of gold, one solid piece of gold. They took a bunch of different pieces of gold, they hammered it together, they melted it together, but that entire menorah is one solid piece of gold to indicate that we, the church, are all one together in fellowship with Christ. We are one. And so 1 John 1 and 7 says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. What a great thing it is that we have oneness, completeness with Jesus Christ as one body and one together with the Lord. Also, let's, let's take a look at Matthew 5 and 16. It says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You know, there's a lot more information I could go into about this to my Jewish friends. I know I'm not hitting everything, okay? My main point is to get a point across to the Gentiles who are saying, why Hanukkah? But I wanted to give you a quick view of what the lampstand means. We can now understand why the Maccabees were so intent on relighting it in the temple after they reclaimed it back from Antiochus. Exodus 27 verse 20 says, and you shall command the children of Israel that they bring you pure oil of pressed olives for the light to cause the lamp to burn continually. Okay, the fuel that kept these flames burning was a special oil, is a very special type of oil that uh, were specified by God himself. God wrote the recipe for it and said, here's the way I want you to do it. You know, Somebody would just try to get this oil and sell it for a profit. All you ladies that are into the essential oils and you, you're, you know, like every time I have a headache or something hurts and my wife Anna goes, oh, I have an oil for that. I have an oil for that. She has this little bag with this 
assortment of different oils for different things and the, and they're really awesome and they work and but you know you know that somebody sells this stuff for you to get it and they did it back then too they sold oils you're not the first ones to do essential oils ladies they've been selling it a long time somebody's going to try to get a hold of this oil this special lamp stand oil and they would try to make a profit and so whenever they made up some of this oil what they did is they would place it in a jug and they would put a seal over it and the high priest would put his mark on it so that it would be recognized as an approved jug of oil for the lampstand. It was it was to be used for that and for that purpose only, only for the oil. This oil was set apart. Yellow, does anybody know the word for set apart? Holy. It was set apart and there was no other oil like it. It was very unique. But so when the Maccabees restored the temple, they found one jug of oil. They had to relight the the lampstand, and Antiochus's men they did their their worst to defile the temple, but they had not defiled that one jug of oil that the Lord kept for them. And so they took this one jug and they were quick to rededicate the temple back to the Lord again. They got all the false gods out and relit the flames back up to put the the temple back in proper order. Now, it would take them some time to go and make more oil. And so the miracle of the Hanukkah story here, after they reclaimed the temple back, was the fact that this one single jug of oil that probably would have burned for about maybe a day or so, it burned for eight days. That's the miracle there. And that was long enough for them to go out and get a new supply of oil and make it up that recipe the way the Lord said to get the to keep the the lampstand burning. Guys, this is a miracle, a miracle of God. A miracle happened here. And so because of this one jug burning for eight days, what they have now done is there's an eight-day festival that has been established to commemorate the dedication of of the temple, which is called the Feast of Dedication. I want you to take a look now at this Hanukkah. I've showed you a menorah, but this is a Hanukkah. It is a lampstand called a Hanukkah. Now, it's different from a menorah, which has how many lights? Menorah has uh, six, remember, the number six for men. So how many branches are on this one? Well, you can see one, two, three, four. And then five, six, seven, eight. Of course, there's the center one, but you've got this is not one of six. It's got it's got eight, actually nine here, but it's got eight branches. Very different from a menorah that would be in the temple. So this is a Hanukkah. So because it's got more, it has uh, eight on there. Hanukkah has eight lights instead of six, and that means it's one light for each day of the festival. One one light, eight for each day that the jug of oil burned. And so whether you think of it as the Festival of Lights or the Feast of Dedication, it's known today as Hanukkah. It's a good time. And it's for Gentiles, I'm telling you, it's for us as well as the Jews. I don't know if you've noticed, but the Bible is very Jewish. And so it'd be good for you to know these things. So this is a Hanukkah, very different from a menorah. So now you just learned something, didn't you? So Hanukkah is a time of year of dedication. In 2020, this year, Hanukkah begins on December 10th. And if it starts on December 10th, how long is it going to run for? It's going to run for eight days. It's going to run through December 18th, eight full days, just like the jug burned. 
And so I plan on having a Hanukkah party and we're going to light the, we're going to light it up. We're going to put our candles in, in them and we're going to light all of them. And uh, we're going to have a party with my church on the final day where all of them are all lit all the way across on the eighth day. Why should I care about Hanukkah? You may be thinking that's a Jewish thing. It really resonates with them, but not with me, Ray. Why should I care? I'll tell you why you should care, why you should partake of Hanukkah. I have a solid answer to that, because it was important to Jesus. If it was important to your Messiah, shouldn't it be important to you? If he partook of it, shouldn't you? John 10 and 22 says, now it was the feast of what? Look, guys, there it is. It was the feast of dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter. And Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. The reason, guys, that I celebrate the Feast of Dedication, Hanukkah, is because Jesus celebrated it. The reason I do it is because Jesus did it. I mean, doesn't that make sense? If he did it, doesn't it make you want to do it? I want to be as much like Jesus as I can, so if he did it, I'm going to do it. Let's recount a little bit. First, I gave you the historical background with the Maccabees, but now we see biblical alignment here in John 10. It was the Feast of Dedication, just like we're going to uh, have here now on December 10th in 2020, and it says in the verse that it was winter. Right now on December 10th, uh, it's it's winter. It's actually kind of cool outside, even for South Texas, where it's usually pretty hot. And the fact that Jesus himself attended the Feast of Dedication should incline you as a believer to want to do the same. Now, I understand there's a lot of people who claim they believe in Jesus, but they don't care anything about him. They don't care to know what he liked. They don't care to follow him at all. That's your problem that you need to get straight with God. But for those of us who are real, authentic, real believers of Messiah Jesus, this should incline you to want to do it too. But during the Feast of Dedication, the verse we just read, where does it say that he walked at? Where did he walk? It says he was in the temple. In the temple. Why is that so important that Jesus went to the, his preferred place to be during dedication was in the temple? 1 Corinthians 3.16 says, Do you not know that you are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? Friends, this is why the Feast of Dedication is so important. By walking in the temple, Jesus shows us that the dedication of man and God, the togetherness, the fellowship, happens in the temple. Jesus wants to be close to you. He wants fellowship, relationship with you, those who have given themselves to him. And so this is fellowship. This is our relationship. Friends, this is how we are saved through this kind of a dedication. And it was important for Jesus. Shouldn't it be important to you too? So then Jesus, he comes to indwell when you dedicate, feast of, dedica- feast of dedication, when you dedicate yourself to the Lord, Jesus comes and indwells with you. He comes into the temple. Hello. Bell's going off now. Are you getting it? You're starting to understand why even you as a Gentile, why this should matter. Wow, that's good, isn't it? So Jesus, he attended it, and he was in the temple, and you can see how he wants to be with you. And I want to ask, will you dedicate your life to him? 
Not just a, a cheap, well, you know, I said the I said the words a long time ago. I'm saying, no, I mean, are you going to dedicate your life to him? Don't just say some little words and then go on about your business. Are you going to dedicate your life to him? That's the kind of level that he's looking for in his believers. And so Hanukkah, the Feast of Dedication, the Festival of Lights, is something that Jesus attended. And by God, it makes me want to attend it too, because the Lord did. Amen. Friends, this is why I celebrate Hanukkah. Look how important it is. Jesus did it. And we believers are the temple, and Jesus wants to come in among us. And so an entire biblical holiday has been established so that you can experience the fact that God wants to celebrate life with you. Did you know that? I had a friend come to work one day when I used to, uh, before I was in ministry, he came to work one day. I don't know what hit him. The Lord spoke to him, and he came into the workplace, and he says, I just realized that the Lord cares about me. You just recognize that the Lord cares about you? He goes, yeah. He said, the Lord is interested in me. You know, I, it's amazing how many people don't know this. And so I'm telling you, the Lord wants to celebrate life with you. He wants to. And that's why Jesus went into the temple, which you are. If you are a believer in Jesus, you're the temple. And he wants to do that in dedication with you. But you got to dedicate your life to him. You got to get them false gods out first and get the flames lit. Jesus gave of himself so that we could have this relationship. He went all the way to the point of dying on the cross. If Jesus could dedicate himself to us on that level, then can't we dedicate our lives to him? Can't we do that? But we have to remember the hammer. Christian, you're going to have to be tough. You're going to have to be tough to throw those false gods out. Don't think that we're, oh, we're supposed to be meek and gentle. Well, there is a point to that, but when it comes to dealing with sin, you got to get tough. And today, right now, is the time for a bunch of believers to get tough. You're going to have to get tough on those false gods because they don't want to come out easy, and your culture is trying to tell you to leave them there. You're going to have to get tough and get them out and boot them out of there. You've got to do the that first. You've got to throw the false gods out first before you can rededicate the temple back to t- back to the Lord again. It's time now then to get a, a pouring of fresh oil and relight the lamp, relight the lampstand that's in your heart to light that flame back up again. But you cannot do this until the false gods are taken out first. Now, remember how many of the Israelites, there's a bunch of Israelites in that culture at the time, they lost their identity with God. Today, a a lot of people who call themselves Christians, they actually bear no resemblance whatsoever to what the Bible says a Christian should look like. That's a problem. They just say, I'm a Christian because I am, but they don't have any trademarks or character traits at all on what Christians are supposed to have. They don't follow Jesus. They don't pray. They don't assemble in the body of Christ. They don't do anything the Lord has told them to do. They don't look like a Christian at all. Why? Why are they doing this? Simply because the false gods of political correctness is a big one today. The false gods of selfish ambition, the false gods of money, have come in and defiled the temple. Just like with Antiochus, he came in and he took the things of God out and said, this is how it's going to be now, and the temple was defiled. That's what's happened to a lot of people who are calling themselves Christians. They've got the wrong gods in the temple, and they need to be cleaned out, and they need to be thrown away and stop trying to replace themselves over the things of God. 
you for listening to Set for Life. We hope you can join us next time, unless Jesus returns for us first. Set for Life is the radio ministry of Pastor Ray Jensen. We invite you to subscribe to our podcast at setforliferadio.com. Hi, this is Ray Jensen. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to encourage you in God's Word. If the Bible doesn't excite you, then you're not reading it. I want you to remember that you are not worthless. You are priceless. Messiah Jesus died on the cross to redeem you so that you can be set for life. You'll be set for life.